I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello, everybody. I hope everyone is having a good week so far. Happy Friday. Oh, it feels so good now that I don't have my retail job that I can actually have some semblance of a weekend usually, although I feel like because I work from home, it doesn't really matter what day of the week it is. Like I'm just getting work done whenever I can, essentially. So, But whatever, it's the weekend, and whatever that means to you, I hope you're excited about it. I wanted to mention Patreon stuff really quick because I had promised another episode to be up on Wednesday, but if you've listened to any of my recent episodes, you know I've been dealing with some problems with my tonsils, and it's been really, really painful, so talking has been incredibly difficult. I recorded the first like 25 minutes of the episode for Patreon. And it was just driving me nuts by the end of that 25 minutes and I had to take a break and stop. So I'm, I don't know, maybe what I'll do is just like edit that first bit and get it up there to at least hold you over until I can record the rest. I'm doing the best I can. I've been really resting my voice today so that I was able to do this mini episode because I don't want to let you all down on the main feed as well. That would just be terrible of me. So that's kind of my my little health update. 
But while I'm here mentioning the Patreon, if that's something that you're interested in, there's a couple different options. You can join the Angry Feminist Book Club at the $5 level, where you will get two episodes a month covering whatever book that I choose or that is suggested to me, so on and so forth, whatever you want to call it. Mostly it's just been whatever book I really want to read or really want to talk about so far, but please send in your book recommendations. I've got one already for July, but please send in your recommendations for the rest of the year, please. I would love that. And then if you want to be part of the book club, but you also want to listen to these episodes ad-free, you can join the Feminist Faves level for $8. And you also just get these episodes a little bit early sometimes, and you might get a little bit of bonus content every now and again. I'm still kind of trying to think of different ways that I should utilize Patreon. So actually, if there's things that you want to see or things that I can put up on there that I haven't thought of yet, please send in those suggestions as well. well. I would really, really appreciate it. So to get to Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist, or you can go to the link in the bio in the show notes or on Instagram. The options are limitless. And I also want to give a little reminder that I am making the month of July Madigan's month as it is my birthday month. And for my actual birthday, July 9th, the episode will go up July 10th. I want to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So starting on July 1st, I'm going to start putting up some different Ask Me Anything things, whatever you want to call it, on like the Instagram stories so you all can start sending me in your questions. But I'm also going to try to figure out some other way to compile them all together but then for that week I am going to answer all of your burning questions no holds barred whatever you want to ask me I'm happy to answer but if you want to just shoot me an email or a dm with those questions as well that would be great you can email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or dm me on instagram I actually just adjusted the instagram handle Because years ago, when Keegan and I first started the show, we weren't able to add pod or podcast or anything to the end of it because it was too long. And yesterday I was like, I wonder if I could make it more clear on Instagram that this is a page for a podcast. Because I think a lot of people go on there and just think of it as being like a feminist Instagram page, but it's so much more. So I wanted to make it more clear and I added pod at the end. So now the new handle is Angry Neighborhood Feminist Pod, but I'm sure if you just put Angry Neighborhood Feminist in the search bar, I'm going to pop up. It's not that difficult. All right, so I think that's everything that I wanted to get into today before we get into this week's topics. I wanted to do a bit of a continuation on the big event that I discussed last week, and that was the imploding of the Titan submersible that unfortunately caused five lives to be lost. But there's been a lot of other discussions surrounding this, and I did mention it briefly in the mini episode last week when I was recording that, you know, people had so much fear and care for these five billionaires that were lost, yet we lose thousands of people every single year on this planet due to migrants getting on very, very risky Boats and things like that taking really risky journeys in order to get to happier and safer lives. So I really wanted to highlight that today and discuss that a little bit more. 
There was also a event that happened rather recently that I feel like wasn't discussed nearly enough in the news. When I saw the photos of the boat, it did jog some memories. Like I got a news alert or something about it, but this wasn't a major, major news story that everybody was talking about in comparison to the Titan submersible. So let's get into that. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It is kind of tough to talk about. I feel like a lot of other media, you know, social media in particular, you know, there are a lot of jokes and things out there, especially about the fact that these were billionaires. And I do want to state that, you know, these people did choose to go on this adventure. They signed these waivers that explained that it wasn't very safe. They were also these very adventurous type people as well, it seems like. So this was something right up their alley. They knew the dangers that lie ahead, but it was something fun for them. They were thrill seekers. And the difference between that kind of journey is that you have more choice involved. And I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are not as educated on this who could be like, well, why did these people from Syria and Palestine and Pakistan, why did they have to leave? Like, if it was so dangerous for them to get on these boats, why would they bother? And I think that that's really a lack of insight into the strife that a lot of people live with in different parts of the world. And we're not considering how desperate that person or that family might be for them to get to that place to be like, yes, I'm going to take this very, very risky journey. So right off the bat, 
that's a very stark difference to me because their consent was very different in a lot of ways. They were being pressured into this situation. When the Titan submersible was missing, the government spent millions of dollars in search efforts, including ships, tanks, underwater robots, and more, all of which were super expensive, all looking for these five passengers. But what about the thousands of migrants who lose their lives crossing the ocean each year? Where are their search parties and rescue teams? Where's their publicity? Nearly 2,000 people lose their lives each year trying to reach Europe by sea, according to the United Nations International Organization for Migration, or IOM. According to IOM data, at least 1,999 migrants died between January 1st and June 26th of this year, mostly from drowning. At this same period last year, the number was 1,358. Both numbers are incredibly high, of course, but that is quite a jump in just one year. And for comparison, the number of lives lost on the Titanic was an estimated 1,517 people killed. Now, imagine that that happens every single year and people don't even hear about it. I read an article, and I don't have it written in this part of my notes, but I'm going to put my sources in the show notes this week because I feel like I read a lot of really wonderful articles. I need to get better about that anyways, but I always have them saved in case anybody wants to know where I get any of my information and things like that. So I was reading this article that was talking about why this year has been worse than past years. And there was one enormous tragedy, which I had kind of alluded to, that accumulated a lot of death, which just happened two weeks ago. And that was when the fishing boat, the Adriana, capsized in deep waters off of the coast of Greece, losing the majority of the passengers on this boat. The boat had departed from Libya and contained hundreds of people packing themselves tightly on the boat so they could all fit in. I'm going to put a picture on Instagram, but you should definitely just Google the Adriana sinking or capsizing or something. But there's a picture of this boat with all of the people on it. And it's insane. Like it kind of it looks like when you're with kids at a pool and they put out a floaty and they all want to get on top of it at the same time and you just see them all slowly falling off and sinking and it's just pure chaos. That's kind of the image of this boat is that it's like there's no way this thing can hold all of these people. It looks incredibly dangerous. And it was dangerously overcrowded. Five days before the ship sank, according to the Greek newspaper Kathimarini, when the migrants first saw the boat in Libya, some of them wanted to abandon the trip. Trapped below the deck, and all of the men were standing above deck. So it was only men whose lives were saved. And it was 104 men who were, according to the Times, dozens of families were also below deck, which is just so, so sad to lose multiple people in a family in one terrible tragedy. The migrants were mostly Pakistanis, Syrians, Palestinians, and Egyptians. They left the port of Tobruk, Libya, on what their families thought was a VIP boat, definitely not, headed for Italy for what they hoped would be a better life for their loved ones in Europe. After five days at sea, the boat capsized and sank. I read in The New Yorker that there was a Greek Coast Guard vessel stationed a short distance away from the sinking boat, but they did nothing. 
Five days before the ship sank, according to the Greek newspaper Kathimarini, when the migrants first saw the boat in Libya, some of them wanted to abandon the trip. They didn't see how this reportedly 80 to 100 foot long ship would be able to transport hundreds of people on a more than 500 mile journey by sea. But smugglers who had found people to come aboard the ship and charged them $900 to do so urged them to come aboard. Migrant smuggling, which has also been referred to as just people smuggling, but I think there are some slight differences. Migrant, I think, is definitely more accurate in this situation, which is the procurement in order to obtain directly or indirectly a financial or other material benefit for the illegal entry of a person into a place of which the person is not a national. The main difference, though there are few between smuggling and trafficking, is that smuggling usually takes place with the consent of the person or persons who are being smuggled, whereas someone who is trafficked doesn't have their own choice. So even though, you know, one could say that coercive consent is not consent, technically these people did agree to get on this ship. They paid a fine, and usually someone who is being trafficked, I would assume, typically wouldn't have to pay a certain fine. Also, another big difference is that when it comes to migrant smuggling, once the migrant is in the place that they wanted to go, they're free. They can leave. They don't have to stay with the smugglers, but when someone is being trafficked, usually that means that they then have to stay with their captor and so on and so forth. But I feel like it can get a little bit messy and complicated, especially because both practices, in my opinion, are terrible. You are asking for an exorbitant amount of money, 900 US dollars, from people who are clearly experiencing a lot of poverty or heartache or maybe medical conditions or I mean there are numerous reasons why people would need to leave their country of origin or the country that they're living in and it just seems like they're exploiting their desperateness and then they're treating them terribly in the meantime it's like once they get their money they don't really care what happens to them so yeah sure just go on this dingy little fishing boat good luck godspeed So, all right, back to the Adriana. Europe's Frontex border agency spotted the Adriana in international waters near the Greek coast, and the crew made its way to the boat and tossed food and water to the passengers who scrambled to collect it. Okay, sorry, this is kind of confusing, but I am going back to what the ship was still on the waters. I'm kind of going back and forth in this story as we're like discovering more and more about what happens. But the Coast Guard, at least publicly, has said that it didn't intervene with the boat because the migrants had asked them not to and because they seemed to be on a steady course to Italy. A Greek Coast Guard spokesperson said, You can't intervene in international waters against a boat that is not engaged in smuggling or some other crime. Is this not smuggling? I don't understand. Somebody help me. They also said that the boat seemed to be progressing on its route to Italy, like I said, and didn't seem to be needing any saving. A report from the BBC, however, casts doubt on this story. According to this report, the Adriana barely moved for seven hours, indicating that it was obviously in distress, having lost engine power. 
Several survivors have submitted statements and spoken with journalists, reporting that the boat capsized when the Coast Guard tried to attach ropes to the ship, perhaps attempting to pull it to Italian waters. A Syrian refugee told Le Monde, Le Monde, which is a French publication, so you know I can't pronounce the name of it. They said... I don't know if they wanted to push us back to Italy or take us to Greece, but given their attitude, I didn't feel like they wanted to save us. This part of the story is a little bit confusing to me because I do know that they did try to... I read in some articles that like they did pull the boat for a little bit, but then they're publicly saying that they did nothing, which seems really harsh. So if anybody has more information about that particular part of this story, I would really love some clarity on it. But I'm also going to be keeping up with the unfolding of it as much as I can, although I don't really know if there is going to be a lot more news on this. But But anyways, apparently European Coast Guards are slow to intervene because it isn't a priority for their governments, according to a man named Flavio Di Giacomo, who's a spokesperson for IOM Italy. And he says, these migrant boats don't meet the minimum requirement to sail at high seas because they could capsize, so they should be saved immediately. But the Coast Guards are not respecting the laws of the sea. He said that between 2015 and 2017, the number of migrants arriving in Europe is comparable to the numbers of today, but the rescues were faster and more efficient because there were more non-governmental organization rescue ships at sea. So once the government got involved, maybe it was, you know, funding or whatever, but it seems like they wanted to get less involved in these rescue missions. In order to reduce the number of migrants dying at sea, it is vital to decriminalize rescue efforts and focus on funding for protections and rights for migrants and refugees in transit countries such as Libya and Tunisia. There must be more legal pathways for people to be able to access safe transportation so they don't have to make the desperate choice of going to sea. I read a really great article on Democracy Now!'s website that really got into the disparities between the tragedy with the Adriana and the most recent events with the Titan. The article states, Those crammed onto the ramshackle Adriana fishing boat were seeking not adventure but refuge from war, poverty, climate change, or any of the many other life-threatening crises that force people to flee their homes with little more than the clothes on their back. They paid human traffickers to ferry them from Libya to Europe. The starkest difference between the two tragedies is how the world responded to them. Governments immediately forked over millions of dollars on a search-and-rescue operation to find the Titan. Media outlets provided continual coverage, one even launching a countdown clock, so tacky, predicting when the submersible would lose its oxygen. Please, like, humans, do better, please. And both the U.S. and Canadian Coast Guards and navies sent planes and boats to search the area. France and Canada also deployed the deep-sea robots, and people around the world waited with bated breath to see what would happen. However, with the Adriana tragedy, unlike the one that happened with the Titan, they knew exactly where this boat was. They knew it was overcrowded, and they knew it was a disabled fishing boat, yet they still didn't do shit. According to a report from El Pais, the Greek authorities had known the location of the ship since 11 a.m. on June 13th, and in addition to keeping it under surveillance, two ships were ordered to deliver food and water to those aboard, which is when I think that if there was some sort of attempt to pull the boat, it would have been at this point. 
but they still never operated a rescue mission, despite the conditions that the boat was sailing, and not even when the engine broke down at 1.40 a.m. Between 2.04 and 2.19 a.m., the old metal fishing boat began to jolt violently, then disappeared before the eyes of the Greek Coast Guard. And this is a really, really strange coincidence. The Titanic actually sank at 2.20 a.m. and the Adriana at 2.19 a.m. And both sank in water over 12,000 feet deep. The thought of losing that amount of life in the blink of an eye and just being swallowed up by that amount of deep water is something that if I think about for too long is going to give me nightmares for the rest of my life. So let's stop that conversation. But, and I forgot that I wrote this next in my notes, when I think about how deep that water was and how crowded the boat was, I know the people on that boat had to have been desperate to get out of their situations at home. It devastates me to think that someone would do something so risky and daring, but I guess compared to the conditions they come from, maybe this adventure seemed less terrifying. And that's just something that you and I just wouldn't understand. Either that or they shoved down their worries and concerns in order to focus on what's best for themselves and their families. They had to have had a lot of hope. Most, if not all, of the 104 survivors were saved not by the Greek authorities, but by a private yacht that had responded to the distress call. Among the survivors were 47 Syrians, 43 Egyptians, 12 Pakistanis, and 2 Palestinians. And as I mentioned before, all were men as they were allowed to travel above deck. Dunha Miatovic, sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, the Council of Europe Commissioner for Human Rights, said on June 19th, The shipwreck off the Greek coast is yet another reminder that despite many warnings, the lives of people at sea remain at risk in the face of insufficient rescue capacity and coordination, a lack of safe and legal routes and solidarity, and the criminalization of NGOs trying to provide life-saving assistance. Elsewhere in Europe, pushbacks at land and sea borders, violence against refugees and migrants, denial of access to asylum, deprivation of humanitarian assistance, and the harassment of refugee rights defenders are widely documented. The end of the Democracy Now! article states, The Titan and the Adriana disasters were very different, but both were preventable. All travelers, whether migrants or millionaires, deserve rescue. The global response to the Titan's disappearance should be the model for how we respond to migrant vessels in distress. Knowing the names and the plights of those seeking refuse is what makes the world care. And for some reason, the sad truth is that the general population cares more about people like the rich, the white, the privileged, over those who are poor, black or brown, or impoverished. We just care less about those people after years and years of society convincing us that they're lesser than. So how do we change this? We need to continue to talk about this. We need to look into it. I think that if we see, you know, I'm talking to myself here, those news bulletins pop up that, you know, if I can't read it right now, take a picture, read it later, stay educated, be in the know. And I also think that, you know, I've been reading a lot of books Lately, about people who have escaped authoritarian regimes and things like that. And it's really helped me grow a lot of empathy and understanding for people who are leaving a certain situation. Not that I didn't before, but there, you know, the more you learn, the more you're able to, 
you know, feel a certain way about things and be able to see their injustices. So I would encourage all of you to do that as well. I had a whole nother topic that I wanted to discuss, but my throat is starting to hurt. So I think I'm going to cut it a little bit short. But I did want to mention that I was going to talk about the fact that Governor Greg Abbott of Texas just signed Senate Bill 12, which starting September 1st, finds businesses that host drag shows where minors are present. And Texas is just joining the ranks with um, Montana, Tennessee, and Florida as well, who within recent months have all passed very similar bills. And it's it's really shady and really terrible. I'm going to keep my notes. And if I'm able to get it in next week and there isn't another crazy big news story that will take most of my time to talk about, I will definitely discuss it then. But definitely look into it. And if you are a listener from any of those states, I feel your anger. It, it just doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. And it's so clear that the Republican Party and the people who are passing these bills have ulterior motives. Either they are trying to distract their base from, you know, things like gun violence and other tragedies that are going on in the world, or it's that they are trying to bolster their image for their base for the upcoming presidential election. Wink, wink, Ron DeSantis. So I'm sure I will be discussing all of these more in the future, but that was kind of my last little pride tidbit i guess for the month it's so sad pride month has come and gone it's over but i really really enjoyed this month again and thank you so much to everyone who sent your coming out stories a special thanks to daisy egan from the strange and unexplained podcast they are just so lovely and i really appreciate them sending over that funny, if not, you know, kind of loud (laughs) message. I really, really appreciate it from everybody. Thank you for making that episode. Just another one of my favorites every year. I just love it. It makes me feel good. And I really love hearing from all of you so much. Don't forget to send me any questions that you might have for the AMA that is going to be not next week's episode, but the following week's episode. I'll be sure to remind you all on Instagram. Make sure you follow me there if you want to see everything that's going on. Remember to hit me up on Patreon. If you love the show and think others will too, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, rate me on Spotify, share an episode with a friend that you think they would enjoy. If they're big Dolly Parton fans, send them the Dolly episode. If you think they would enjoy, you know, Keegan and I discussing toxic masculinity from back in 2018, send them that one. I don't know how good the audio is. Anyways, that is all I have for you all today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God. And we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.